Matthew chapter 20 and starting in verse 29. And we'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. We'll pray before I continue. Lord, I just want to... Ask, Lord, that you would bless your word this morning, the reading of it. Um, Lord, that you would uh, just help me, Lord, this morning, that um, you would give me words to speak, that I would be clear in the things that I say, and Lord, that um, we would be encouraged, strengthened, and that it would be glorifying to you what is said and received this morning. So we just commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> So I have a pile of scripture references, and I realized as I was looking at my notes that if we turn to all of them <laughs> and take all that time, this is going to take us a long time. So I printed out a bunch of the, most of the verses. We'll see what we turn to and what I just read along. We'll see how that goes. Just looking at this short passage and this, just this little story that's, that's given to us. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem um, where the ne very next chapter is as Jesus is entering Jerusalem and it's that Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry as he's riding on that donkey. Um, he has a purpose. He's, he's going with purpose to go to Jerusalem. And he's got a multitude, as always it seems, following along behind him. And now, along the side of the road, we have these two blind men. And they hear... Have you ever sat quietly, maybe with your eyes closed, and you just hear a commotion? <laughs> you... You know, most of us, we just open our eyes to see what's going on. But these guys, they hear the commotion. They hear the crowd coming by and the, whatever's going on. And so they start inquiring. They have to ask, what's happening? And they hear Jesus, this Jesus is going by. And so they start crying out to him. <laughs> have mercy on us. But as we look through this, there's some very, very important things in the, the attitude of these guys and even in the way that Jesus responds to them that we can get out of this. And the most important thing is their understanding of who Jesus is. We need to have that as our understanding of who Jesus is. Verse 30 says, 
when they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out saying, have mercy on us. O Lord, thou son of David. O Lord, thou son of David. They know who Jesus is. We, some of us listen to um, a guy named J.D. Farag. He's in Hawaii. What a miserable place to have to do ministry. But um, at the end of his service, he always gives the gospel. And he gives it in the simplest way that he can. He says it's just a, as simple as ABC. And one of our, when we were at the Bible camp, one of the um, devotional books that we used with the kids uh, called Keys for Kids, the back page of that had the same thing. The ABC is a salvation. And it just breaks it down into admit you're a sinner. And we can turn to some scripture. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that we're all, we've all sinned, right? B is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And John 3.16, it doesn't get any simpler. <laughs> right? For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just believe that. And then C is choose or confess, um, choose to receive Christ as your Savior, confess openly your faith in him. And Romans 10, verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a promise. If you believe in your heart, and so as J.D. Frog always says we break it down to ABC but it's really as simple as B just believe and it's important what specifically we, we believe but it's this aspect of Jesus Christ is Lord he died for my sins and so we see these two blind men are crying out acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. They're acknowledging his deity, that he is the Son of God. And yet, they also call him the Son of David. And that's important. That's a, a major factor in who Jesus is. Um, it's a major factor in his fulfillment of prophecy. And so, now we've been Looking at um, the book of Jude in our Bible study on Thursdays, the last um, couple of weeks, I'm just going to turn there just for a moment. Verse 4 in Jude. What chapter? Jude 4. <laughs> the only chapter there is. All right, Jude, verse 4. It says, for there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning 
the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's... They're, they're ordained to condemnation because, and we looked at this last week, if you deny Christ, that's, you're, you're already condemned. And that's the error and the warning for us. There's people coming into churches. There's leaders. There's pastors in many churches who are denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way. And we need to acknowledge who he is. Or you're one of those. It says they've crept into the, their creeps. right? You're one of the creeps if you're going to deny the Lord Jesus. If you're coming into our church and trying to change people's attitude towards who he is. But he is the son of David. And that fulfills prophecy. If you want to turn back to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Samuel 7, um, verse 12, says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. This is talking to David, by the way. He shall build an host for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. But the promise coming to David, but this is a promise of an eternal kingdom. There's going to be an heir in that lineage of David that is going to establish that kingdom forever. And we see this Romans chapter 1 verse 3 says concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. It was important that Jesus was of the seed of David, according to the flesh. But he's more than that, isn't he? He's the son of God, but he is also the son of David. And so these men are, when they're calling out, thou son of David... They're acknowledging their understanding, they're expressing their understanding of the scripture, proclaiming that it's going to be the offspring of David, his heir. 
that is the Messiah. And so they're acknowledging their understanding of Scripture and who he is, as they call him both Lord and the Son of David. They're making that connection together. They know who he is. And they believe it. And we need to believe it as adamantly as these two men did. In the next verses, verse 31 says, The multitude rebuked them. Isn't that funny? This is a multitude of people who are following Jesus. Theoretically, they believe in him. You would think that if they're following him, they would believe in him. In the next chapter, we see people bowing down to him, laying branches and coats in the path as he enters into Jerusalem. It's the very next passage that we read. And yet, very shortly after that, I don't know where this crowd goes away, but we see people crying out to crucify him. (laughs) This crowd follows him. Is it because of the food and the miracles that he's performed before? The healings that they've seen him do? Is he just an entertainer to them? It seems that way. Because they certainly don't seem to see him the same way that the two blind men did. And they rebuke these blind men that they should hold their peace. Is it, how dare you call him Lord? (laughs) I don't know if that's why they're calling out to hold their peace. Perhaps they consider these blind men unworthy. You're being afflicted by God because of your sinful. You're not worthy to call out to Jesus. But you know what? That's the whole point. (laughs) It's our unworthiness is, that, is what Jesus came for. None of us is worthy. And if, if I stand and say that somebody else isn't worthy to come to him, that just expresses my lack of understanding of who he is and my own unworthiness. If I think someone else is unworthy, that means I haven't realized my own unworthiness. And so if that's their attitude... No matter, no matter how you, what angle you look at, these guys are wrong. <laughs> the crowd is wrong in rebuking these blind men, telling them to hold their peace. Thankfully, they refused. They just, it's just they cried the more. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. So important. They understood who he was. And there was no way that they were going to hold their peace. It was difficult knowing what direction to go with this. Because we can look at that verse and we can go to scripture and see this is exactly what Jesus described that we ought to do when we're coming to God with a need. Just... Don't let it go. God wants us to come to him with our needs. He wants to hear from us what our needs are. Yes, he knows. I'm going to be 
messed up here in my notes, but that's okay. Jesus, Jesus stood still. He stopped walking. I imagine right beside where the guys are crying out to him. And he called to them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? Isn't that a dumb question? <laughs> do you think there was anybody in that crowd that didn't know what these guys wanted? <laughs> I'm sure they, everybody assumed we know what Jesus is going around doing. He's going around healing people. So obviously, these guys want to be healed of their blindness. But Jesus asks, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? What, what form of mercy do you want me to, to give to you? It's almost an open-ended offer, isn't it? <laughs> when Jesus is standing there, what do you want? What, what can I do for you? What, what would you ask? They just wanted their sight. <laughs> they wanted to be able to see him. But really, it's an open offer. There's much scripture that describes it, how we're to, to go to God and that we can trust him with anything. We can ask anything of God. And it says if you, if you ask, and receive not, it's because you're asking amiss. It's like you're, if you're asking just to fulfill your own lusts and desires, that there's no good purpose in your heart for asking for things, yeah, God's not going to give those. <laughs> but if you have a right attitude in your heart when you're coming to God, God's more than willing to supply your needs and your desires if it's for a, a good purpose, for a, a godly purpose. Jesus, when he was teaching, um, he gives examples. I don't have the examples in front of me, but I just feel it's important to, to go this direction. But there's a story of this guy who has a friend that was traveling and comes, shows up at his house in the middle of the night. And he wants to feed him, but he doesn't have any bread. And so he goes and knocks on the neighbor's door, asking for bread. And the neighbor is annoyed. He says, we're in bed. Go away. And he knocks again. He says, I have a friend showed up, and I don't have any food. I need to feed him. He says, we're all tucked in. We're all together in bed. Go away. I'm, I'm not getting up. It's cold. And this isn't exactly word for word. But he knocks again. He says, please, I need some bread. I need to be a good host to my guests. And the Bible, whether it was in this or a different example, but it says, for because of his importunity, it's like, you're annoying 
me so much by knocking on my door. I can't get any sleep anyway, and you're not going to go away, obviously. So yeah, I'll get up, and I'll give you some bread. And Jesus' whole point in that, that's how our, we're supposed to approach God. God wants to hear our voice. And it's not just in passing. Hey, can I have... No, he wants us on our knees, pleading with him. And it says, that's what's going to... And that's what these two blind men are doing. They refuse to hold their peace until they get God's ear. Until Jesus stops and asks what they want. And that's what God wants from us. That's the attitude God wants from us is to just come to him with a pleading heart, not willing to give up on these things. Of course, we need to be willing for his will to be different than ours, but, but we need to be willing to plead with God and to just fully commit to asking him to hear us. Philippians 4.6, I can find it here, says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That verse, let your requests be made known unto God. So many times, I've been in prayer and haven't expressed with words the thing that I want from God. With the thought in my mind that God knows my needs. But that's not what the scripture says. Yes, God knows our needs. God knows our hearts and our desires. But this says let your requests be made known unto God. We need to actually open our mouth and tell God what it is that is on our heart that we desire from him, that, that we understand who he is, that he, it's within his power to do these things. And of course, I, I'm glad for the songs that we were singing this morning as we opened that were just full of thankfulness toward God. And that's the attitude that we need to come with. It says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you don't have a grateful heart, why in the world would God want to answer and give you more? You haven't even thanked him for the things that he's done for you already. Why should he? continue to give you more. He wants a, a thankful heart from us. And he wants to hear from us what our needs are. Yes, he knows our needs, but he wants to hear it. He wants to hear our voice. John 14, verse 13 says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
first because it, it almost sounds like if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. Oh, wait, that's what it says. There's a lot that we want in life. Can you ask all those things in his name? Rightly? If it's just my own selfish greed, can I rightly come to God asking in his name to give me my, the things that I covet? The sinful things that I desire? We need to be able to ask it in his name appropriately, right? It's not just whatever I want I can have because he said, whatever you ask, I'll do it. But we need to be able to ask it in his name. And if it's fulfilling our sinful lusts and our answering our, like, just, if it's just our flesh, <laughs> how can we ask it in his name? There's a right way to approach God. And it's on our knees, humbly, seeking forgiveness, acknowledging our sin, and with a heart of gratitude to his mercy in our lives. And that's what I see in these blind men. They know who Jesus is. And they just they refuse to hold their peace. But they're going to continue to cry out for mercy in his name. Isn't What a right thing to ask is for God's mercy. And when he asks them, verse 32, What will ye that I should do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. We could really go down a rabbit trail with this. <laughs> Very easily, and scripture even helps us to do that. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which receive not, or which believe not, sorry lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Isn't that what this is? <laughs> this is a picture of God opening someone's eyes that they can see him. And you know what their response to their eyes being opened was? So they followed him. <laughs> That's what we need to do. And that's the problem that we need to understand is in the world is that the God of this world, that's a small g God, which is Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. 
when we're looking at current events in the world, you all know very well what it's like talking to somebody that watches CBC and CTV and that is their news source and their source of information. I had a conversation with my dad the other day and that's all he watches is those types of news channels. And so that's where he forms his opinion. Man, is it hard to have a conversation with him. And I, you know, I'm not going to sit there and argue with him. I'm not going to ruin that relationship. And so, so I just let him say what he says and then I'm just carry on with something else. But you know what it's like trying to make a person understand and you know if I use the the truckers protest in Ottawa which I, I used as an example I went and I saw and I could clearly see that what the media went on and on and on about had nothing to do with what was actually happening there and I see the lies and now, if you come home and you're talking to somebody who watches the news and believes what they're saying about it, how do you convince them? How do you, and we, we, we use the term, how do you open their eyes to the truth? Well, this is exactly what we need to understand with the gospel. And it's so much more important than the news. <laughs> We need to understand that they are blind to the truth of the gospel. And we need to, like Jesus, had compassion on them. We need to have compassion for people who are blind to the truth of the gospel, who are opposing, as the Bible says, they are opposed themselves. <laughs> They're opposed to themselves. They're, they're hurting themselves. They're not hurting me and they're not hurting God by denying Christ. They're hurting themselves and we need to understand that that's what they're doing. And we need to have compassion on them as we try to show them the truth. That their eyes would be opened. That they would see who Christ is. And that they would follow him. That's our purpose as a Christian, as a believer, we are to follow Christ. And that's the example that he gives in this verse. Have compassion on them. Touch their eyes. We need to pray that God would open people's eyes. That they would receive sight. That they would understand that simple gospel message. ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died for your sins and confess with your mouth the Lord Christ Jesus. That's it. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. It's so simple. And yet so few will believe that message. If, if, you're, if you're here this morning and you haven't done what these two blind men did, cry out to God for mercy. <laughs> you need to do that. And he will open your eyes to the truth 
of the gospel, of who he is. And we need to turn from our sin and like these blind men, when they receive their sight, we need to follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, this is such a great little story. It's such a short few verses, but there's so much depth to it when we begin to look at it, Lord. And as we see the truth of your word, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would continue to open our eyes to the, to the many truths in your word. There's so much there yet that we don't understand. So, Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes, help us to understand you more and more day by day, that you would have compassion and have mercy on us, Lord, in our needs, that we would open our mouths and let you know what is on our hearts, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask, commit this time again to you, Lord. I pray that we would understand this message well, Lord, and trust you with every detail of our lives. We commit this again to you in Christ's name.